What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to another pay-per-view point edition of the Smartout Moment Smack Talk Podcast. AEW Revolution 2023 just ended a moment ago, so I'm going to tell you what happened on there in case you didn't see it. Give you my rundown of the event. Talk about all the pros, all the cons, everything else that I'm thinking along the way here. And if you don't know who I am, I am Tony Mango, possibly uh, flying solo for this edition. I don't know entirely for sure. Rob may or may not be able to join me at some point. If he does, we'll throw him into the call here and get that all sorted out. But in the meantime, just being myself, I'm hoping that you guys can uh, hit me up on the live chat right now. I see Frankie is in there <laughs> before midnight. Woo, it's 11.55 p.m. Uh, obviously, anybody else who is joining in, leave your thoughts there. Make sure that if you are listening to this after the fact, you drop your thoughts in the comments below. If you're listening to this outside of YouTube, of course, you should be heading over to YouTube and you should be subscribing and liking that post and doing all the good stuff that you normally should do. But join us on the live things, you know, have fun that way. Don't just check us out on Spotify and such. But even though uh, no matter what way you are listening to this, it's greatly, greatly appreciated. So I want to start things off with a couple little plugs just to remind everybody of some things that are going on right now with Smart Out Moment. One of them being the Smart Madness tournament that we have for voting on what is the best wrestling family dynasty of all time. That is currently going on. We are on round one for that. We've got the Road to WrestleMania contest where you can win a Dusty Rhodes Funko Pop. Go ahead and check that out on the sidebar of SmartAtMoment.com and enter in all the different ways that you can to possibly win that little Funko Pop because there are three of them that uh, Fun.com is giving out. So. Thank you to fun.com for sponsoring this. And let's start getting into the revolution talk that we need to be breaking down here with the zero hour, which was predominantly just the generic pre-show type stuff. I mean, this was, I think the only time that we've ever had so far, or it might be, you know, there maybe there's one other one or something, but out of all the AEW events, I can't remember any other one that only had one match on the pre-show. Everything else has had like three, four, sometimes five, it seems. And this one ended up being Mark Briscoe and the Lucha Bros against Ari Davari and the Varsity Athletes, which, as I had said in a couple different things here, not the match that I would have prioritized to put on this card. I mean, there's a lot of people that aren't wrestling on this lineup that I probably would have tried to figure out a different way to do, uh, to incorporate them and everything. But it was a match that was fine enough on a pre-show, nothing really to complain about, nothing really to talk about as far as like standout moments or anything. It was just a match to whet your appetite. And I think it did perfectly fine with it came to to that kind of thing. Nothing else to talk about as far as I'm concerned on the zero hour, all the promos and the video packages and the interviews and all pretty textbook, kind of stuff, you know, this is the person talking about that they're going to win the match later on. Somebody like Adam Cole pops up and says, well, the opponent that I'm not going to say who they are yet, but whoever I end up facing is going to get the best version of me and everything. No big revelations or anything. The only thing that they really revealed was the location and the date for Double or Nothing, which we already had the date, and it's just the same as it was last year. So Double or Nothing just kind of following suit when it comes to that. But the first match of the night outside of the zero hour was Chris Jericho against Ricky Starks. 
Now, the stipulation going into this was that the Jericho Appreciation Society was not allowed to be ringside for this. And immediately the commentary team were already talking about, well, who is going to come out and how is Jericho going to completely screw this over? Because he's clearly got a plan and he's not going to stick to not having somebody come out and cheat in some fashion, which I thought was kind of funny because they were just like, okay, well, then I guess that's kind of spoiling that that's going to happen at some point. I mean, we all had our anticipations that that was going to happen to begin with, but it was kind of funny for them to just flat out say it. Um, Throughout the match itself, I don't have any notes for the most part about a lot of this. Uh, I thought it was just a good, solid match. Not as good as I was hoping that it would be, if I'm being perfectly honest. My overall idea about this pay-per-view, for anybody who's wondering, thumbs up when it comes to this. There's a couple spots that I felt were just a little bit weaker, but some really good things too. And this wasn't bad by any means. It was just a good match. Not something that I would say was great. Not something I would say is some like, you have to go back and check it out if you missed it type match. It was just a good match. And eventually, of course, we do get some interference. This is from uh, Sammy Guevara coming out. Action Andretti makes the save. He counters his interference. Jericho tries to use Floyd and hit uh, Starks, but, uh, you know, throughout a whole bunch of stuff with Aubrey Edwards, which I, you know, I mean, we've said before, there's, I think, some validity when it comes to the criticisms that Aubrey is taking a little bit too much for herself sometimes and being a little bit too big of a character. I also like when she does that quite a bit. So to me, it depends on the execution for it. This uh, maybe wasn't my favorite of them. I feel like it kind of was unnecessary. And I liked even more so Starks blocking the Judas effect. And he gets the Rochambeau. He gets the win. Pretty simple, straightforward stuff for the most part. Starks should just move on at this point. And I'm down for it. I had said before, I'm totally cool with Starks just winning and ending the feud. I do think that they've run into a situation now where they do need to change it up a little bit with Jericho. If he's going to work with whoever the next person is in this line of, you know, let me do a feud with this one and then that one and that one and that one. I do think that maybe he needs to switch up the game and not just have a match, have a follow-up match where the other person wins and then finish it all where the person ends up beating Jericho. It's a little simple. And, uh, I don't know where I would want to see him go for the next kind of feud that he goes to, but maybe we go straight into the Jungle Boy thing. Maybe not. Same thing when it comes to Ricky Starks. I don't really know exactly where I would want him to go, except for I would say that he should be a pretty solid contender to end up facing MJF. See, Marco's in the chat right now. What's up, Marco? Uh, Tell us what you're uh, thinking about this pay-per-view, guys. So... Overall, Starks beating Jericho gets a thumbs up, not two thumbs up with the most enthusiastic, uh, you know, I'm raising my hands up to the heavens type, but I do think that it was a solid segment. Let's go to segment number two of the main card, the final burial. And when we had talked about this last, there was the match that was added in here, but they switched it up a little bit. It was originally uh, classified no holds barred. And now they had switched it over to the final burial. It was actually a casket match, which 
It's been a little while since we've seen one of them. I don't remember for sure if they've done any in AEW yet, but at least the last one in WWE that I could remember was the one in Saudi. So it could be as far back as when that happened, a couple years at this point. Maybe something else happened in the meantime. Maybe Darby Allen actually did one, now that I'm thinking about it. He might have had a casket match. So whenever it was, casket matches are fun. I, of course, am a product of the new generation Undertaker and... The casket match is one of those like staples when it comes to that for me. But um, yeah, Darby had the coffin match. That's right. Yeah. So I enjoyed this. Um, this was one of the first instances of somebody bleeding throughout the night. Of course, we'd have quite a bit more in some of the other matches, but uh, Christian bleeding from what I was assuming was the top of his nose, bridge of his nose or so. Might have been something else exactly, but it was around that kind of part of his body and his face. And Jungle Boy took a whole lot of belt lashings from Christian. Those are going to sting for quite some time, I'm sure. You got some other highlights of this, like the flip that Jack Perry did off the stage. We had a nice concerto for the finish. I liked everything of this match, except for the very, very end, (laughs) which was Jungle Boy putting Christian in the casket, taking forever to shut it. I don't really know what was going on there about like whether that was just, you know, dramatics or if it was, you know, it's taking a second to catch his breath or something. I, I didn't really like that part, but more so how goofy was it when Jungle Boy shuts the casket door and almost immediately, I mean, it's a split second of a difference. The lid shuts and the grave is just there underneath it. And the casket just plummets into the into the grave i thought that looked ridiculous (laughs) uh i i'm not a fan of that at all if they do this kind of gimmick again going forward maybe skip that maybe have it lower quicker or not quote uh, quicker maybe have it lower in a different way so it's not as quick um slower could look a little bit less dramatic so maybe that's what they were worried about but it just looked kind of like it needed to have like a slide whistle for me. Like it's just whoop kind of thing. So I didn't like that part of it, but the match itself, everything up leading that, uh, of course I am a fan of Jack Perry winning this because I had said before, this is called the final burial. This should just be the end of this feud. And ultimately jungle boy needed to win. Cause he is the guy that they need to build for the future, as opposed to it being just, you know, haha, we gotcha. And it's, you know, this is all about, been about Christian for the entire time. So thumbs up when it comes to the final burial. And Frankie's tossing out there, maybe Christian versus Starks kind of switch things around a little bit. Guessing Jungle Boy versus Jericho, maybe Starks versus someone like Joe. Starks and Joe, possibility. Yeah, I could see that potentially going forward. Um, we know that the Supercard of Honor show has a different match in mind. So I don't think necessarily that that would be that going forward, but who's to say Joe doesn't feud with somebody in ROH and then feud with somebody different on AEW television. You could certainly do that. And maybe they have some other kind of plans in mind. I don't know. They could be with the type of thing that they don't even start setting up until well after this episode of dynamite coming up too. So might have to wait a little bit to figure out what's coming up next, but at least what was coming up next on the revolution pay-per-view was the trios championship. And that setup that we had with the House of Black going up against the Elite was about as straightforward as you could get. 
if you've got these two teams against each other, you know what you want to get out of it. You know what you're going to get out of it. And that's what you got. I mean, it was a pretty damn good match. They did a bunch of moves to each other and it was fun to watch. <laughs> that's the simplest way for me to put it. Um, we had a good moment, for instance, where Black had escaped a one-winged angel. Omega dodged a Black Mask kick that led to the two of them just like sitting down. There was another moment that followed that pretty soon afterward where Matt Jackson tags himself in. He's pointing out like, oh, I want Brody. I want Brody. You tag him in. So he gets tagged in. They do a little measuring up contest. And then he tries to get Nick to tag in instead. I laughed at that. That was pretty funny. A couple other little noteworthy moments here. But the biggest one that I had written down after that was that uh, Julia Hart ended up getting a V trigger. She caught that from just a little distraction when she was up on the ropes or on the apron, I should say. And that eventually led to Omega walking into another kick. And, you know, it was a pretty close near fall that I thought was actually going to be the end of the match, but they took their time. They came back around to it. And lo and behold, same thing ends up sort of happening where the house of black picks up the victory and we've got new trios tag team champions. So I had said before with the previous events and everything and you know, hot tags leading up to this, the pay-per-view point predictions leading up to this, that the House of Black was my original next pick to be the follow-up tag team champions following the Elite, winning the belts to begin with. And then when they won it back, I was like, oh, okay, well, then they're probably going to still come back to that same idea. Once they had established that this match was happening here, then that's when I kept saying, well, okay, guess I'm wrong. And they're probably not going to drop the titles this fast. So I guess the Elite just wins. Should have just gone with my original prediction, right? <laughs> I would have had that right. So we do have new champions. And maybe one of the reasons behind that is because of these potential contract issues that we're hearing about. You know, there's at least some chatter around the rumor mill that WWE is looking to potentially try to get Kenny Omega. They could potentially try to get the Young Bucks. They're at least somewhat in the range of a discussion when it comes to that. I honestly don't think that they're going to be going to WWE, but at the same time, if it's at all possibility, maybe there are some negotiation tactics happening right now. Maybe this is something to do with that. You know, you don't want to keep the championships on people that you think might be leaving. Or, I mean, for all we know, maybe this is just because they don't want to hold the belts forever. And they figured, you know, we did our big thing with the death triangle series and let's move on and give the belts to the house of black and, that's about it. Could just very well be that. I don't know who I would go with to be the next champions. My gut reaction right now is maybe best friends. Because, I mean, I don't expect the House of Black to drop the belts the next time that they're defending it. Could be wrong about that, too. I don't know. But I know that Callum had suggested leading up to this of a tag team between FTR and CM Punk. I think at this point, since it's not the elite holding the titles, that is probably off the table. Still could happen. Crazier things have happened and all. But I do think that there is a chance that maybe they come back around to the best friends. And maybe over the course of the next couple weeks, maybe a month or two, however long it's going to take before you get to the point where the House of Black is at least within the range to lose the belts, which I don't think is happening for a while. I, you know, off the top of my head, if I were going to say where and when and who they're going to drop the belts to, 
I would say we're probably looking at all out and unless something changes where there's like Adam Cole shacks up with the kingdom and they turn face or house of black turns baby face or something. My current gut reaction is best friends wins. So I am anticipating around the course of these next few months that orange Cassidy is going to drop that all Atlantic championship to who (laughs) I don't know. But at least it's something for me to pay attention to and toss out some more predictions down the line. New tag team champions and the trios division at the very least. So pretty neat. Raggy tossing out there. I have no clue what Young Bucks and Omega are going to do at Double or Nothing if they're still in AEW. Yeah, you know, that's kind of... Um, yeah, Maybe, if anything, this is going to tie back into Blackpool Combat Club. Maybe we're going to get, like, Hangman... Well, I mean, that's May 28th. So we have over two months. Hmm. I don't know if they would really continue the Hangman feud going forward after that. So maybe they do, maybe they don't. It could be Omega and the Young Bucks against uh, Claudio and Moxley and Yuda. It could be that they just completely start a brand new feud. Maybe they do in like some separate things. Hell, maybe they take time off. That could also be a possibility. I don't know. In any fashion, we know where the women's championship situation is going because it went down pretty much exactly as we were talking about the triple threat match or the three-way, as at least AEW calls them. Jamie Hayter retains over Soraya and Ruby Soho. They have a decent enough match. It's it's fine. I'm, I didn't really love anything about it. Didn't really hate anything about it either. It was just a match. And... It all ends with Soho taking the pin. Now, what I didn't like about this was their little fake out at the end. They do a thing where Soraya and Tony Storm are beating down Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter and Ruby Soho throws Soraya and Storm out of the ring. And she's like, you know, hey, this is our place and and everything. And then turns and I get where they're going. And I understand when these things happen, like uh, this is the type of thing where like being a quote unquote smart mark is double edged sword because you're like, you booked it to pop the crowd. And I know you booked it to pop the crowd. And I understand why you booked it to pop the crowd. But I'm also looking at it and going, but it doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Like, why would you throw your people out of the ring just to go, haha, I gotcha. There's no benefit to the gotcha there. They were already getting beaten down. You could have just joined in on the fun. So to help your enemy just to turn around and then hurt your enemy, it's the, the writing trope of the rule of cool kind of supersedes all of this. And I wouldn't have done it that way, to be perfectly honest. But at the same time, nobody fucking cares. Everybody's just looking at that and just going, oh, okay, so Ruby Soho joined the heels. And that's ultimately what should have happened. So I'm glad that they did that. It's the right call. And now we can start building the rest of the teams. I'm assuming, of course, Willow Nightingale ends up joining the Britt Baker side of things. I assume that Athena will be on the heel side. 
And I don't know if they're going to incorporate any others, but they certainly have the option. I mean, we've talked before about Jade Cargill being a part of this. We've talked, and Jade Cargill was not on this pay-per-view at all. So that's pretty interesting. And, um, you know, I mean, we could get like Chris Statlander coming back whenever she's ready to come. However, they come around to this. I do think we're still getting a, a women's blood and guts. And I still think it's going to be, you know, some of the same players in exactly the same positions. So, Ultimately, at the end of the day, Hater retains, and they push that Soho part of the storyline. So they did a good job overall. Not my favorite segment, but it works. Before we get into the Texas death match, let me just plug another thing here to remind everybody that the Blueprint Project is going on on the Smart Cow Moment, not the, not the Smart Cow Moment side of things, the Fanboys Anonymous side of things. And Fanboys Anonymous, for anybody who doesn't know, is my separate blue brand. It's not wrestling related, although there is some crossover here and there. But it's all the geek culture stuff where I talk about movies and comics and video games and uh, you know, TV and the superhero genre and everything. So if you are interested in anything along those lines, I definitely recommend for you to go to fanboysanonymous.com and check that out. Make sure that you show your support for everything over there, like following the Twitter and Facebook and heading up to Patreon for that, patreon.com slash fanboysanonymous. Subscribing to that YouTube channel, checking out all the things we have coming up soon. And I had mentioned before that we're going to be doing a fan tracks that was sponsored as part of the Patreon. We're going to do that probably tomorrow night or so. So it should be up Tuesday around that time. And on top of that, I had mentioned that the Blueprint Project is something that I am working on, which is on the uh, pure like fan fiction side of writing. So despite the fact that this is a pro wrestling podcast, there are plenty of people that I know that are into a lot of these things like Star Wars and, and X-Men and Power Rangers and James Bond and all whatnot. So I want to remind everybody that that is going on. And if you show some support for the Blueprint Project and fanboys, the more support that I can funnel back into Smart Out Moment too. So also stay tuned to what is coming up soon because I recorded the first two chapter synopses of the Batman, a nighttime story. I'm going to be editing that over the next few days. And part one, or I should say chapter one, is going to be coming up pretty soon. So you start to hear the actual... <laughs> story ideas that i have for this series and uh i want to thank everybody who is showing their support in whatever fashion that you are when it comes to fanboys anonymous and then of course first markout moment too so let's get to this texas death match before we uh talk too much about the fanboy stuff i know that some people are just like talking about wrestling you know but at least when it comes to the texas death match the major major positives that i have for this is it was a lot of fun it was exactly what i was hoping to get when it came to the level of brutality these two beat the shit out of each other and they ended up being just complete bloody messes lots of barbed wire the bricks were something that made me particularly just like i hope nobody does what i think they're gonna do because there's a moment there where they had the bricks stacked i think it was hangman that had stacked it up vertically I was just thinking, oh, God, I don't want to see somebody get like a back suplex on there or a body slam on there or something like that could really mess everything up. I wince at, of course, like the barbed wire stuff. But at the same time, when it comes to slamming somebody's back on like the top of a chair or something, that also just makes me like, ah, uh, no, I got a bad back as it is. 
I mean, sometimes maybe that ends up helping. I don't know. We crack your back really good. <laughs> but this was a lot of fun. Uh, my wife, of course, whenever she's watching these things, she it's funny because she is super into horror stuff and she is not the type that would be like squeamish about anything or whatever. But whenever she sees people doing these types of matches, she's just like, Jesus, this is like so unnecessary. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, it pretty much is. So when you see people do things like, you know, hit somebody with the barbed wire in the top of their head, and then they take out a fork and start ramming it into their head that way. And then you get the, uh, the steel chairs involved and, um, you know, it's just, it's a lot of fun for this type of match. You can't see it all the time. You can't do it all the time. I certainly wouldn't fucking do this at all, but I do think that, you know, you put a match on the card like this and it really just ups the level of the pay-per-view, you know, makes it seem like it's like, okay, these guys are really taking it up a notch. So good match. Big fan of the finish, which the way that it ended for anybody who didn't see Moxley has a chain wrapped around himself. He gets caught in the ropes and it's essentially the hangman wins by hanging his opponent. He, he being Moxley pretty much immediately starts to tap out and they're saying, you know, like, Oh, maybe he was feeling that his trachea was being crushed on this song, those lines. It's a good way of doing that. Cause it's like, yeah, you know, you can be choked out in a regular way, but if you're going to be choked out in the hanging sense, uh, you probably tap out a little bit quicker. Cause that's a little more deadly. <laughs> it's a Texas death match. We don't want to actually see anybody die on that. Um, so I thought this was great. I thought the right man won. And I'm kind of agreeing with uh, in the live chat right now. Frankie saying thinking page versus MJF double or nothing. That makes the most sense to me when it comes to if anybody has positioned themselves as the next number one contender. Starks could be too. You know, he did beat Jericho or they could do something where over the course of this next month and a half or so, maybe one of them gets a pay-per-view title shot down the line. So you have to, do something in the meantime and you have to kind of kill some time or whatever. It would make sense for them to go in either direction. If they end up just going like, Hey, MJF is going to be fighting Kip Sabian. I'm going to be like, what the hell? You know, but there are some different options as well. So hangman page headlining double or nothing against MJF fully on board with that. I think that that makes a lot of sense. Now the TNT title was the next segment that we had and to be perfectly honest i was a little underwhelmed with the match there's nothing that caught my attention too much i like of course that wardlow won he's got the championship back i mentioned before i think that he pretty much needed to win this title back because if he doesn't have that belt he should be going after mjf i think it's a little too soon for that now that he is TNT champion again, we can look forward to his match against Powerhouse Hobbs. We can look forward to what is probably going to be a rather long TNT title reign. And when they want to do the Wardlow versus MJF thing, they pulled the trigger, they switched the title, he drops it to whoever he drops it to, and then that frees him up. Could be something in the next couple of months. I don't think it's going to be as soon as Double or Nothing by any means especially now that he won the title back. So I'm thinking maybe full gear when they come back around to that, maybe all out, or maybe they end up doing this at like fighter fest or something for all we know. I mean, they do plenty 
matches that are special on the TV shows itself rather than always doing it on the pay-per-views. I think that if I were booking the way that at least I would assume that they're going to be booking going forward, Wardlow probably would be the person that I would end up having beat MJF for the title. So stick around, wait for it, have the TNT title run in the meantime, do your feud with Hobbs, move on. Hobbs just, you know, doesn't win. And that sucks for Hobbs. But at the same time, not everybody can be champion all the time. So maybe he comes back around and he wins it down the line. Or, you know, maybe he wins the All-Atlantic title from Orange Cassidy. I don't necessarily think that's going to be the case, but you know, there are, there are certainly options I should say that, but this TNT title match, it honestly didn't do too, too much for me. I found myself kind of just waiting for it to kick itself into gear and then it sort of ended. So it wasn't bad, but it was completely forgettable. I guess I should put it that way. So mid kind of range match. It's fine. The right person won. That's the biggest deal out of the whole thing. I had more fun with the four-way for the tag team titles. Hot crowd for this. Really, really wanted the acclaim to win. But they were, you know, they're bowing the heels. They're cheering the baby faces. They're really making this make perfect sense. One of my favorite parts of the whole thing, of course, was Orange Cassidy doing this little thing where he's like winding up his arm and he's slowly heading towards the turnbuckle. And then the heels just break it up and everything. So I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, I liked how a lot of different people had a moment here and there that they could shine. Yeah, Dan Housen had his little spat with Satnam Singh. Also, so did Orange Cassidy, so did Billy Gunn. Uh, the <laughs> guns ended up low-blowing Billy Gunn. Jarrett had the whole guitar shot thing that led to you know some shenanigans here and there. But again, it's another like Aubrey pulls the thing away and everything, and um that leads to a whole big sequence of events, but maybe not necessarily exactly how I would have done it, but it all ends the way that we were expecting. Dan Housen takes the pin guns retain. I did think that there was a good chance that the Jared and lethal could walk out with this, but I understand why they're going with the guns, especially now because we had talked about the potential of FTR coming back. I didn't think that it was like a guarantee by any means, but I know that that's been something that's been out there as far as predictions go. And lo and behold, they go ahead and do that. They come back. They take out the guns. They are winning those belts. (laughs) And I think at this point, my prediction that FTR would end up coming back to WWE, probably not going to work out. I think I'm going to be wrong about that one. I think that they're going to be sticking around in AEW. They're going to win those tag titles maybe very soon soon as like dynamite or something maybe i don't know i think we're probably going to see them holding those belts either by the end of march or i mean as soon as you possibly can if they want to drag it out for another couple weeks they're not going to drag it out i think until double or nothing i think it's going to happen before that so stay tuned for some title change in the future (laughs) for the most part and i think that that's probably the best course of action that you can go with right now too. FDR are fantastic. So you're not going to hear me complain about Dax and uh cash being champions and having some good matches with people and the guns, you know, they they'll have had their title reign. It's in the history books. You don't need to have a specifically long one. They had their title reign. 
So it is what it is. Definitely before double or nothing, Frankie. Yep. 100%. I do not anticipate that they're going to wait that long. So we have one more match to talk about here. The 60-minute Ironman match for the AEW World Championship. MJF going in as champion, defending against Brian Danielson. Danielson, of course, more experience in this. MJF has the the youth behind him. He's got the strength advantage. You know, there's pros and cons bouncing around here and there. But this was a lot about conditioning. There were, I think, zero pinfalls over the course of the first full 15, 20 minutes or so. I'm thinking, uh, let me double check about when this was. It was uh, 35 minutes left in the match when the first pinfall happened. Before that, though, we had one of my favorite things in the entire thing, which was MJF walks into the crowd, he gets a drink, throws it at this kid, and then he ends up saying, oh no, is this going to cost me a star, Dave? Maybe I won't get the Brian Danielson award. I love MJF on the mic. He's so fun. So they go ahead. They have a great opening set of sequences for a good, you know, could have been a full match on its own as far as the length is. We're about 25 minutes deep into it. And we have gotten through this one spot that I like quite a bit where everybody's doing the two count, they're rolling around. It's different pinning combinations. You know, it's a, it's a schoolboy inside cradle roll pants around other person reversal, other person reversal, you know, sunset flip into this and then with that and that always fun to watch that. I don't know how those guys are able to keep track of it when they're, you know, spinning around like that. But eventually Danielson gets the first pinfall. And MJF pulls a really great strategy. He low blows Danielson, so that gets him disqualified. That makes it a 2-0 lead. But because he just did a low blow, he immediately goes for a pinfall, gets a pinfall, gets another one, 2-2. And we're back to an even score at that point. This match went on for a good little bit while after that before you would go to to anything else as far as, you know, getting another pin or anything. But in the meantime, they did stuff like the elbow drop to the outside, MJF crashing through Danielson, crashing through a table. That was a really good one. He also followed that up with a tombstone pile driver through the table. That led to the third point, making it 3-2 in favor of MJF. We had 20 minutes left. We had 15 minutes left. No points going on in that time frame. Diving headbutt, for some reason, is the thing that they chose to go into MJF bleeding. And he was bleeding real fast and a whole lot. So I don't know if he necessarily did that slightly wrong or not. But uh, I was getting a little concerned about that because I was like, all right, well, there's 11 and a half minutes left and you're going to have to sit there and bleed. That is awful. I mean, uh, I'm one of those people that has a tendency just, you know, the way that my physiology is if I'm giving blood just for like a regular like blood test, I tend to pass out. So there's no fucking way I would not have passed out if I was him. That's just a, you know, testament to how tough some of these people can be. A lot of water in this match. MJF kept getting water bottles. Eventually the crowd starts chanting for H2O. Thought that was funny. And uh, he hits another turnbuckle from the middle, another turnbuckle from the middle rope, another tombstone from the middle turnbuckle. Can't get to a pinfall, though. We end up being down to 
two minutes left and we are at that three, three score after MJF had tapped out after the, uh, the headbutt pretty soon after that. So this draw was a looming threat essentially. And throughout the match, there had been a couple moments here and there where MJF had been locked in a submission. One of those was the uh, single crab. So Danielson goes back to that. And by the time MJF taps, it's immediately after the time has run out. So, you know, three, two, one, buzzer, MJF starts tapping. Matches rule to draw, MJF retains. But we get the whole Tony Khan rules this, this match is going to have to continue. It's going to be under sudden death rules type thing. Essentially, you know, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania 12. Following that up, MJF hits another low blow. Can't get the pin, though. And there's a lot, actually, of near falls that happen after this segment. And I thought that that was fantastic. We got teases that it would be the Dynamite Diamond Ring that took out uh, Danielson. But the referee, paying attention, you know, was able to take that off eventually and everything. We got kicking out of the low blows. We got kicking out of uh, MJF kicks out of a knee from Danielson and locks in the single leg crab again. Now he gets to the ropes. MJF taps out when he gets to the ropes. Danielson thinks that he has won. He's a little distracted. It's just enough of a distraction for MJF to get to an oxygen tank, nail Danielson in the head when the referee is not paying attention goes for a submission referee pulls the hand up drops it down once drops it down twice third time danielson actually is not tapping out yet that was a moment where i was just like god damn that's pretty fucking great you know but a moment later mjf still has the submission in and danielson actually has to tap out so mjf retains through a submission at the end there of course, it is not the cleanest victory because he did use several low blows. He did use weapons here and there that weren't going to be disqualified. But nevertheless, it's as clean of an MJF, uh, MJF win as you could possibly get. So I think that he ends up coming out of this looking very strong for being able to put up a fight against him so much. Danielson, of course, looks very strong in the sense that he he had him at different moments I think this was pretty perfectly booked for the most part. So it is currently the one match that I have on my match of the year list. I don't have anything written down for worst yet. And this is the only one that I have written down for best. I'm sure that some other people would disagree and say that some other matches in the meantime have happened that they like just as much or better or anything for my personal tastes. What I had seen, this is my current running candidate for match of the year. Let's see if anything ends up beating it. I thought that this was just, awesome so i really enjoyed this event for the most part some parts a little bit underwhelming other parts exceeded expectations or matched i thought that the pay-per-view ending around 11 30 still despite everything that had happened with not having you know as many matches on the card but you're having an iron man match and all i think that these pay-per-views still would benefit more from not necessarily being this long. You know, I mean, if you start at seven and you end up 1130, apologize for all these sirens in the background. I can't do anything about it. Uh, 
I think that they probably still should end around 11. You know, I can get a little bit winded still watching these. And when I look back on this pay-per-view and I think about what succeeded and what fell short a little bit, I don't honestly think that I would be super, super upset if you cut either Starks and Jericho or you cut like the, the TNT title match or something. I know on paper it makes perfect sense. And I understand that maybe just cut a little bit of time from some of the matches instead. Maybe the elite match didn't need to go on as long as it did. I don't know. But the point being, I do think that this is still something that they need to tweak a little bit. And I'd like to see them do that going forward, but I still enjoy most of the, what we saw. So <laughs> this isn't one of those events where I'm coming out of this going, Oh my God, this needed to end. And it was driving me fucking crazy or anything. No, I enjoyed it. I think that this is a thumbs up pay-per-view for sure. I still hope that we get something that beats it for pay-per-view of the year. But since I did enjoy most of it, if this ends up being the best they, they give us, at least we got that. So some new champions going forward. We'll see how that plays out when it comes to dynamite. We will continue on talking about our thoughts on the repercussions from this. When we see those going forward, probably just going to address it in the hot tags for next week. Maybe we'll get a little bit of opinions about what, uh, what Robin Callum had thought about that. If they're able to give us a quick uh, summary of that. But the next time that you guys are going to be hearing from us is going to be the discussion about the pro wrestling at Hollywood crossover. We're going to talk about the best movies that have featured a wrestler, talk about some TV spots that they have been in and everything when it comes to the princess bride with Andre, the giant to Batista with guardians of the galaxy. And we've got, you know, discussions on movies that we have, or we haven't seen yet. Like I, for instance, have not seen, they live yet. It's on my list of just, I haven't gotten around to watching it. And I'm sure that there's going to be stuff that Rob hasn't seen, stuff that Callum hasn't seen. We're going to try to do a top rope list. We're going to try to do a Mount Rushmore. And we're going to just talk some general stuff. So we got a lot coming your way when it comes to the next main event. And then, of course, if you want to share your support for Smart Out Moment and all the different ways that you can, uh, uh, helping us on the monetary side of things, we got the Patreon. We got the Join button there on YouTube. Both act exactly the same. We do have that picture poison coming up. That, actually, that'll be the, probably the next time that you're going to be hearing from us. We'll probably be that. Although, technically, that might be over on Fanboys instead of Smartcat Moment. So, I'm kind of not sure. <laughs> I'm still trying to determine if that's going to be classified more of a fan tracks or if that's going to be a fan ounce table. I'm leaning more towards fan tracks. You know, doing a movie commentary track seems to fit more Fanboys. And um, we'll be doing that probably tomorrow night or so. But following up with the Hollywood talk and everything. And if you are interested in sponsoring a pick your poison, then make sure that you go to those options and you let me know what you got in mind. That's the whole point of it is that you get to sponsor something directly. You get to say like, Hey, look, I'm essentially producing this kind of a segment for you. We also got the dark cast. If you are on that tier, we also got the $1 tier. You know, the more people that do that, then the more that we can do here on Fanboys Anonymous and on Smartcast Moment, everything under a mango tree, it all funnels back to the same source. So make sure that if you are interested in picking up some merchandise as well, you go to Redbubble and Public, or you click that little thanks button on YouTube, show the same support for Fanboys, go to anthonymango.com or amangotree.com and start liking and sharing all the different things I have over there. You know, you can check out my letterbox, you can check out my personal Facebook and Twitter accounts. 
the Twitter account, something that I do want to get more into. And one of the best ways to make sure that I get more into it is tweet at me. You know, let's keep a conversation going or something. If you tweet at me, I'm more likely to respond. So, <laughs> you know, keep that in mind too. But anything that is under a mango tree is all good in the hood when it comes to if you support one thing, you're supporting the other stuff. So if you just want more smart cat moment and you want to support smart cat moment, go ahead and do it. If you want to support fanboys, that's a great way. If you want to support both, that makes you an even better person. And we could all use better person points, right? Uh, at least when it comes to revolution, those are my thoughts. I want to thank Frankie here for hanging out in the chat with me on the live side of things. I want to thank everybody else who listened to this after the fact. And I want to remind you all that if you want to stay tuned to smart Out moment, you should subscribe. That's the best way of popping back up. But of course, anything else that's happening on smartcatmoment.com, you will find over there, the weeklies, the TV recap stuff, Maybe some other random things popping up here and there. The Dusty Roads tournament, or the Dusty Roads tournament, the Dusty Roads contest, the Smart Madness tournament, so on and so forth. That's it for now, though, everybody. So thanks again for listening. I appreciate it, and I will see you next time. But for now, this has been another Smart Out moment, and I am being counted out.